You're listening to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Todd Lesher. Always good to be with you. Today, we have a friend of mine, Julie Sale, is on the podcast, and we're going to talk about raising joyful kids. Julie, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Todd. Yeah, well, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. I'm Julie Sale, and I'm the mom of five kids, ranging in age from 18 down to seven. Yes. Um, I'm the nursery director at the Fort Mill campus. But um, I've also moved around a lot, and we've lived in 10 different houses and gone to lots of churches in these processes. So I've met a ton of moms and talked to probably hundreds in my job and in these moves. And I also got the privilege of being the oldest of seven kids. So Mm -hmm. I have watched my mom parent for my entire life, from birth to now. She's still parenting. Um, So I've seen some things that have really worked well for people Mm -hmm. and... um, try to use some of these strategies with my kids. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, we love your family and I'm excited for our parents to hear about the topic of raising joyful kids. Let's dive right in. So why don't you define the word joyful for us? I think we all have a bunch of different definitions for joyful. And then what's the difference between joyful kids and happy kids? Okay. Well, this is a little bit tough to decipher, but Mm -hmm. I think that joy happens despite your circumstances. Okay. Um, it's when kids view themselves and treat others in a healthy, good, godly way, okay. despite the circumstances around them. Um, whereas happiness happens when circumstances causes them to uh, treat others well and view themselves in a good way. Gotcha. Yeah, I think that's a great distinction. So how did you realize or when did you realize that you wanted to raise joyful kids or have a joyful home? Well... Isn't it more fun to be around kids who are joyful? <laughs> so I've been around yeah. a lot of families, and I, I do think there's a difference when kids are equipped to handle what happens in their lives, and they're able to treat others with respect and with joy, regardless of what's happening in their lives. Yeah. Well, when you uh, attach it to the circumstances, right? Right. You know, they're, when my kids always want something, and their happiness is dependent on that, you know, I'm going to be depleted of any sort of resources that I may have in my house. Be like, well, kids, we sold the home because you weren't happy, <laughs> you know, that sort of thing. But when you flip it and say it's not dependent on circumstances, exactly. it's kind of a lifestyle or an outlook on life. Yes. That's really good. How have you set out to do that in your home? Well, we feel like it's important that as the world is darkening, that our kids are lights yeah. to the world. Yeah. And we feel like this is um, done through joy. And we've, we've, uh, have three different ways that have okay. that I think work pretty well, and one is that our home is the training ground. Okay. Um, another is that we model joy for our kids, and finally, we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes, and God is there to fill in the gaps, and which really fills us ultimately with joy, knowing that He has has it in control. Yeah. Why don't you explain those three ideas a little bit more, and let's start with the uh, your home is a training ground. What do you mean by that, and how do you in Josh, your husband, seek to provide that or exemplify that? There is a verse in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 11, 18 through 19, that says, fix the fix words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit down and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. And I just love this verse because mm-hmm. I feel like 
God knew women really. Mm. He knows women and he knows how we're created. Yeah. Um, women at that time were probably couldn't read. I don't think they were doing Bible studies all the time, but I think <laughs> they were taught well about God in their synagogues. Yeah, yeah. And then God instructed them to constantly be teaching their kids. When you get mm. up in the morning, when you lie down, when you're walking along the road, just in your daily life, you're incorporating his truths into the lives of your kids. Yeah. Um, so this is how I like to parent. I feel like it's the most natural mm. is just being intentional. You waking up in the morning, talking to your kids, having conversations. Some of the, my favorite times with my kids are in the car or, yeah. and you know, sometimes when they make mistakes, these are really good opportunities for growth right. and for it to teach them joy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really great. It's kind of the, the way of life or the rhythm of the day. taking advantage of those instead of forcing something like, all right, let's stop what we're doing. Let's sit down. Mm -hmm. Let's have this Bible study that works for some people, you know, right. No, not that you shouldn't do those things, but that God has designed you to, he didn't say in that verse, teach them on Sunday mornings for one hour and also for five seconds before you eat. Yes. But it's a constant conversation that just never really begins and ends. It's just a constant, right. Instead of categorizing faith, into these slots that you're incorporating it throughout every day, 24 seven, you know, as, uh, as things arise or as you take advantage of different moments throughout the day, that's really, really good. Well, uh, along those lines of that scripture, um, in Deuteronomy later on, it will get into the scriptures about loving God and then on into the first five books of the old Testament, the Torah talk about loving your neighbor. So Mm -hmm. how do you, take those moments incorporating throughout the day to uh, help your kids love others. Josh and I really feel that teaching kids how to respect other people is the first step to training them how to love people. Yeah, And we don't feel like you can love somebody without having a respect for them. Mm. So for us, that starts really early in the home. You teach them how to respect you as their parent. Mm. Um, You encourage them to obey you. And you also model respect by respecting your spouse. Yeah. Um, then it branches out a little bit to the siblings in your home. Mm. I think I, that God gives children siblings to help them learn how to respect other people oh, and good. love other yep. people. Um, and if you don't have siblings, that's fine. You can invite friends over. Yep. Um, I feel like I'm constantly reminding my kids that other people have feelings too. Mm-hmm. Kids are pretty egocentric and they they really feel like they're the only ones in the room and mm. to you have to train them how to view other people as having yeah. feelings and desires just like they do. Yeah. Then you can take this outside your home and teach them how to be good friends and care for their friends and um, do the things that their friends want to do, not always what they want to do. Yeah. Um, then we can branch that out even farther to um, people that they don't know. Mm. And you can start this early with kids, maybe praying for somebody in an ambulance that drives by. Yeah, kids yeah. are very um, receptive to, to caring for other people. And as they get older, you can teach them to look at their surroundings and be aware. And maybe they can take a grocery cart in for somebody who's unloading their groceries, mm. just to be aware of other people that they don't know. Yeah. Another way is to respect people that they don't like. And this is kind of a tough one, especially sure, with kids. Yeah. But um, it's important for, to train them to um, think of other people as being created by God and mm. that God loves the people that you don't like. Yeah. 
and that God has a plan for them. And he's created all those people in his image. And it's important for our kids to recognize that. Even if they don't like them, they can pray for them and try to view them as God views them. Yeah. And finally is respecting and caring for people in need. And you can start this so early with the kids. Um, even, like I said earlier, praying for somebody in an ambulance or keep granola bars in your car. We mm-hmm. do this a lot. We, mm-hmm. um, we've had the opportunity of living in another country and we learn to always have food in our car for people in need. Yeah. Um, but we can do that here too. And you can roll your, the back window down and let the kids mm-hmm. hand food to somebody who's in need. Yeah. Um, that does something magnificent to their souls. Yeah. It helps them view other people as important. Yeah. Um, when kids start respecting others, they will start feeling love for others, mm. and then they'll have a natural desire to care for them. Yeah. They have a, they're capable of having a deep understanding of humanity, and they will start to see other people as created as God, mm. by God. Yeah. Um, as they get older, they'll start seeing opportunities themselves to help mm-hmm. other people, and we think that every moment that a kid is able to not think about themselves and think about somebody else is a really joyful moment for mm. that kid. One of my sons, um, we, I like to go shopping at Goodwill and my kids don't always love to go with me, but <laughs> usually I try to drag one of them with mm-hmm. me because that's a great opportunity for conversation yeah. and relationship. So I took one of my sons with me to Goodwill and we happened to see a family who was homeless on the corner as we were turning in. And in my in the back of my mind, I thought maybe I should pick up a jacket for them or find some granola bars or mm-hmm. something to give them on our way out. And I was telling that to my son, and he said, actually, can we just walk to the grocery store and buy them a meal? Mm. And so we did that. We walked to the grocery store and got them a meal, and we walked over to them and gave them the food. And his countenance changed completely. Yeah. He had a deep joy that wasn't there when we were on our way to our errand. Yeah. Um, and I realized that that is what brings teens joy yeah. and kids joy is doing something for somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really strong. There are some really great stuff in there that, you know, just, I feel all these different thoughts kind of exploding in my mind. But as you were talking about kind of the layers of respect there is what you were communicating is, you know, we demonstrate our love for God and how we love people mm-hmm. like God loved us. So you at kind of the uh, whether it's the most outer ring, you know, our enemies and those who are in need, you know, where we would think that it's easiest to love our families, mm-hmm. the ones closest that we're most familiar with. But God loved us as his enemies hmm. and those who are different than him, you know, sinful. <laughs> and so he loved us. And so that demonstration of that to love those who might be different than us, you know, mm-hmm. not that we're better than, but just right. that they're different. We exemplify the character of God and his love for us. So that is so strong. And then I love the story is people will ask this question and they'll critique the poor, you know, or even they'll get into kind of the toxic condemnation right. of the poor. And I would, I would say I would rather my kids choose compassion than cruelty every time, even if it's, they've got to give away a little bit of something, a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I would rather for their heart to grow warm instead of hard and cold. And so just like you said, you know, your son led you yes. in, in that way. And so mm-hmm. I think that's such a beautiful picture of, of that, um, which we're trying to develop this respect for others. I think that's where it starts. I think it's really great. Thanks. 
So now let's talk about modeling joy in the home. So you have kind of this respect for others, but then what does joy look like in the home? This is kind of twofold, I think. And I asked, I asked all my kids, um, what makes a joyful kid? And they all had some really interesting answers. But mm-hmm. one of my sons, Jackson, said um, to have a really fun family. Hmm. And I thought, you know, we do a lot of, we try to do a lot of fun things, but um, it really made me think about how do you make your house a joyful house? Yeah. Um, one thing is when your kid walks into the room, stop what you're doing and look at them in the eye and mm. smile and be thankful that that person is in your room. That's good. Um, this yeah. often will change the mindset of the child when they know that they're wanted and loved, um, and it changes how they might have their day. Mm. Yeah. Um, and another thing is just to have fun. Mm-hmm. Dance around, be silly, flirt with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Kids love to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, have dessert before dinner yeah. sometimes. Yes. There's lots yes. of really fun things you can do. Dinner time is or meal time is such an important time yep. to spend with your family and have conversation. Mm. And I would um, I would really refrain from using dinner time as a time of lecture. Mm. Save that for other times. Let dinner be a time of yeah. communion and fun and. Uh, developing relationships, mm-hmm. try to include everybody in the conversation. Um, a fun thing to do is just go around and have each person say something silly or nice about the person next mm. to them. Yeah. One time we even switched chairs at the table because we all end up usually sitting right. in the same chair and right. um, we switched chairs. We try to act like the person in the chair that we're sitting in, which oh, was really good. fun for like five minutes. But then they started making fun of me. And <laughs> I did back not like that very seat. much. I was like, go back to your seat. Yep. Yep. That's good. Yeah. I think one thing that we do, I love the idea about avoid the lecture at the table. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't want that to be associated with, uh, when we sit down at this table, I'm going to be lectured again. And so we've, incorporated different games at our table we'll play the alphabet game where we just pick a category and then pick one item for every letter so it's like let's talk about food what's <laughs> oh food that starts with letter a or we'll talk about toys start with the letter Love b it. so it, go on through and they'll ask about that every single night I'm like can we play this game and so we're like how about we try a different game or how about we just eat <laughs> right now so but they they see the table as a fun place i think that's yes. a really great place to to incorporate that in, in what ways or in your opinion how have you seen how what parents model their kids imitate, especially when it comes to a joyful home. Well, like David Chadwick is always saying, uh, behavior is caught and not yeah. taught. So yeah. how we react to life is really how our kids will most likely react to yeah. life. Yeah. Um, uh, Philippians 2, 14, 14 through 15 says, do everything without complaining or arguing. And this means us as parents, I think. Um, then you will be pure and without blame. Mm. You will be children of God without fault among sinful and evil people. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. Yeah, I love and that. that's what we can be to our kids. We are the shining light for our kids. And um, we're going to experience bumpy times, and our mm-hmm. kids are going to also experience bumpy times. And sometimes as parents, it's really tempting to try to prevent our kids from having those bumpy or disappointing times. We yeah. try to rescue them from disappointment. Yeah. But we don't have to make them happy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important for them to experience those feelings and, and with us walking alongside of them. That's part of the training ground. Yeah. That they come home with their disappointments or their failures, and we teach them how to, how to cope with those things yeah. and how to trust God in those moments. Yeah, that's really good. The, 
the idea of not solving every problem for your child or not coming in to band-aid every single issue that comes up and just goes, well, I have to go to mom and dad every single time yes. instead of developing that personal confidence and ability to solve problems. Yes. It doesn't mean that parents check out, no. right? But we don't step in every single time uh, so that they can develop that confidence and the joy that comes with that. Yes, sometimes I think we... we that's our default is to protect our kids. We don't want them to have any of those bad yeah, feelings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we kind of made some of those mistakes with our first one where we mm-hmm. try to rescue him from a lot of his, the things that he needed to learn that God was trying to teach him. And we weren't allowing him to have those experiences and disappointments. Yeah. And we were, I was taking that burden upon myself and maybe um, helping him, his emergencies became my emergencies and mm. he wasn't able to learn from his experiences and his yeah. failures. Um, and God really helped me learn to let go of that mm. and allow him to, to have the joy of conquering something that he would have failed at. Yeah. Maybe this ties into the, your third point here of letting God fill in the gaps, but I think a lot of parents are there, Right. They feel responsible for this child mm-hmm. and the problem solver yes. as the responsible one for this child. So is it connected to let God fill in the gaps or how did you learn to give up control or trust God through those circumstances? You know, it's funny. I never thought that I was a controlling person mm. until I realized I didn't have control. And then I was at a loss. Yeah. Um, there was a, a point in one of my kids' lives where he was having a really frustrating time at school. Um, he was being bullied a little bit mm. or a lot. Um, and I realized that I didn't have control of that situation. Yeah. Um, it was the first time where I really felt desperate in mm-hmm. my parenting. Yeah. Um, and it was, I, I had to make a choice of whether to fix the problem myself mm-hmm. or get on my face and pray, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is what I did. And I prayed specifically in that moment that at the time I was studying Daniel Mm. and I knew that God shut the mouths of those lions in the lion's den. And so I just pray that God, you know, you made those boys that are teasing my son Mm -hmm. and you love them and you have a plan for them and you can certainly shut their mouths. And could you please just do that today? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And of course, with a lot more desperation Mm. than I'm telling you right now. And that day when he got home from school, he said, Mom, nobody said anything to me day, today. Mm. In fact, one of them came over and apologized. Whoa. And when the lions apologized. Yes. <laughs> wow. It was, I yeah. think I freaked out a little bit and um, said, God loves you and he, yeah. he really does love you. Yeah. And here's proof. I prayed this prayer and he, hmm. he's got you. He had this plan for you all along and he's, his plan for you is much better than mine. Yep. And I need to stop trying to fix everything myself and really trust in him. It was a huge aha moment for me as a parent that God really does have a plan and cares for my kids way more than I do. Yeah. I'm going to say a summary statement that even as you're talking, I'm like trying to figure out in my mind if it's accurate. Uh, it sounds right, but I know when it comes, when it comes practically, it, it stresses all of us out as Mm -hmm. parents. But what you're saying is pray more, control less. That yes. sort of thing. It doesn't mean there are things that we are responsible for. So I don't want to lose right. that and just abandon everything to prayer. But I pray last. Mm-hmm. I control first, pray last in that sort of situation. And Jesus even said, if if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, go over here. 
that's a mountain. Bullying is a mountain. And that, that, that faith, that moment to pray first, control last, didn't mean that you were perfect in it, right? Because you're working it out as well, but you got to that point of desperation. And usually that's what happens to all of us. We're like, I don't know what else to do. I guess I'll pray. (laughs) But that sort of thing of, I rarely go to prayer first. Like, let me try to fix this on my own. And then I'm like, well, God, I can't. So why don't you take over from here instead of flipping that? Right. I think as as parents, there's a lot of times we go to bed and we have a lot of regrets about our day. Mm -hmm. Um, We wish we could do the day day over. And I think those are the times when we can say, okay, you know what? I'm not perfect. I'm Mm -hmm. not supposed to be perfect. I'm supposed to make mistakes because then I know I need God. And in those moments when we're regretting and wishing we could do it over, that we just give that day to God and just say, thank you for letting me have a new day tomorrow. And, um, that you can learn from those mistakes and that's why it's a training ground. None of us are perfect. And, and there is great joy in realizing that that's what God's plan is that he's, he's equipping us. He chose us to be the parent of the Mm, child we're parenting, um, that he's in the process of equipping us to do that and that his plan is good. And he's going to fill in the gaps when we have those moments where we just Mm -hmm. wish we could go back and do it again. He's got it. Yep. The thing that um, I've, I've realized um, in a lot of these conversations is that I'm a nine-year-old parent. <laughs> I've been parenting for nine years. Yep. You've been parenting for 18 years, but you say, you've, you're communicating that you're still growing as a parent. And that grace Absolutely. fills in the gaps. Yes. For an 18-year-old parent, you know, you've been parenting <laughs> for 18 years. A nine-year-old parent like me. Yes. Or the brand new parent. Brand new parent, Grace yes. fills in the gaps. So even through those moments when we try to overtake control there, <laughs> take control back from God, or at the end of the day, we're like, oh my goodness, can I have a restart yes. on this one? And we'll, mercy is anew every day. That's a, one of the strongest scriptures for parents, I think, to go, let's give it to God. You don't know how important yes. it is until you need it. Yes, <laughs> seriously, that's really good. That's a great foundation for parents. Any final advice or encouragement as we wrap this up? I would just say, be confident that God chose you to be the parent yes. of your child. Yes. Um, accept that your kids aren't perfect and that their mistakes are really great opportunities to teach them mm. how to cope and how to trust in God and how to ultimately be joyful. Um, give yourself lots of grace that you're going to have those days you want to yeah. do over and, and, that you, um, and that trusting God trusting that he loves you and that he loves your family. Mm. He is for your family and he is for your kids and he loves them. And his plan for them is way bigger than your plan for your kids. And that should really bring you great joy. Mm. That's awesome. Well, Julie, thank you so much for joining us. And let me say a prayer as we finish up. Heavenly father, uh, this has been awesome. And I remember the scripture from Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so you look upon families, just like Julie said, with tremendous joy. I think you it's that kind of that joyful pride that you have, that that is my son or daughter parenting their sons and daughters. Thank you that you're our Heavenly Father. And so I pray that you would help parents, give them the grace to uh, train their children uh, in the ways of joy, to model it as parents, and then to allow you to fill in the gaps. I pray that we would pray more, that we would seek you, and that that we would allow you to shape us as the people and the parents we need, that our kids need us to be. And then ultimately, we pray that you would grow joyful families 
throughout our church and our communities as we seek you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Parent on parents, you got this. Thanks for joining us for the Forest Hill Parenting Podcast, where we want to inspire parents to make faith in Jesus the priority in their families. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you showed your support by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast on iTunes. To watch our services live or find the campus nearest you, visit foresthill.org.